I am going to, I'm going to share with you three statements. We're talking about the call of community today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you three statements, and then you're going to tell your neighbor if you agree with the statement, if you agree with it or you don't agree with it. Are you all with me? I'm going to get you all talking this morning. We're going to get some interaction going here. I don't even care. I don't even care. <laughs> Ryan? Okay. Here's a statement number one. Authentic friendships develop when we get gut-level honest about who we are and about what is happening in our lives. Tell your neighbor, agree or disagree. Okay. Oh, here you are. Welcome to church. All right, I like the energy. I'm sensing a lot of agreement. Okay. Amen. I love you on the front row. Second. Gut-level authenticity is sometimes the opposite of what we find in church. Oh, oh, oh. Sloan, who's your neighbor? You got a neighbor? Are you talking to a neighbor? Okay, all right. I want to make sure you guys are talking up there in the balcony. Also sensing some agreement. This is Ryan Griffin, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. Okay, third one, last one. Shallow conversation, wearing masks, keeping your guard up, and acting as if everything is fine is the death of true friendship. Because you, know you know what fine is, right? Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, I'm fine. You know what fine stands for. I mean, I've, ta- I've shared this with you before. What was you? That's different from mine. Okay, okay. Feelings inside not expressed. Fine. I'm interacting today. I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm feeling some real interaction here. Mine is this. I'm fine. Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I'm fine. Okay, leave me alone. Yes, okay. Yeah. So, you agree that gut-level honesty about who we are and what's happening in our lives is what creates authentic friendship. But you also agree that it's exactly the opposite of what many of us find in church. And my question to you this morning is, what are we going to do about that here? Are we going to do something about that here? Can we, like... Could we consider not playing that game here? Could we like um, enter into some, uh, some fresh risk-taking and some fresh authenticity to actually taste some level of friendship that maybe we haven't had in a long time or maybe some of you have never tasted before? I don't know. Um, what are we going to do about this pressure that we feel at, in church to like impress each other? Or to hide from each other. What are we going to do about that? Because I'm sensing energy like, I want something different, but we're also in agreement, but it's hard to do here. Okay? So here's, here's what we're going to do about it. We're going to center our lives in the grace of Jesus. And only in that place 
will we be empowered, freed to have what most of us in this room are really hoping for, wanting, longing for, but we're not really sure how to get there. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, the ground is level at the foot of the cross? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? The ground is level at the foot of the cross? Yeah, what does that phrase mean? In other words, we are all in desperate need of the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And when we meet there together, and we're all such, in a, such a desperate need and place for it, we just have communion there. And we stop evaluating each other, and we start looking at Jesus, and then we, we're empowered to know each other in a way of authenticity that many never get a chance to, to taste. Um, last week, again, our, was our vision, grace upon grace. We celebrate and proclaim the grace upon grace of Jesus, John 1, 16. New covenant, new covenant freedom in Christ, identity in Christ. This week, what does it look like for us to walk out our vision and our values together as a body in unity and togetherness? That's where we're going today. Uh, Lone Ranger Christianity is a contradiction of terms. Jesus came and he died for, capital T, the church. The prophecy of the New Testament is that Jesus will return again, the second advent, the second coming of Jesus, for the church, the brothers and sisters, the men and women that call upon Jesus as Lord and King in our lives. The truth is that we, the church, people who believe in Jesus, have received his grace by the blood of the cross, that we've, we've believed it, we've received it, we call Jesus Lord, we're believers, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have, the truth is, we have a biblical call of community on our lives. That's the truth. Here's another truth. Community is challenging. Agree? There's this um, video uh, out there that I've seen. I think mostly it's probably on that app, Tic Tacky. I call it Tic Tac as a dad. Tic Tacky, you guys, you know what I'm talking about? But I've seen it probably on Instagram or something. I don't know. But it's some kid. It's a kid's voice. And there are different people that mimic the voice. And this little kid is just basically goes, oh, no. And then you hear the mom going, what, honey? And he goes, people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, 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 people. Oh, no. And it's a kind of, a, I think it's kind of a funny thing for people that have a more introverted personality. But I think in general, like, church community, it's like, ah, people. What do I do? Um, well, we center our lives in Jesus, and we take the risk of bringing our full self, our full story, so that we can actually have the community that Jesus came to give us. Um, anybody, any John Steinbeck fans in the room? Anybody read Of Mice and Men? Yeah, I'm going to quote John Steinbeck up in here today. Right here in this house. John Steinbeck, Of Mice and Men. Some of you young people, I, we, I had to read Of Mice and Men like in middle school, I think. Right? Jeff? No? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, high school. Maybe it was high school for me too. Oh, wait. Hold on. Where is it? Ain't many guys travel around together. I don't know why. 
Maybe everybody in the whole dang world. I think it's a different word in the book. <laughs> I just don't want anybody to be offended. You know, I don't want anybody to be offended. There's kids in the room. Everybody in the whole dang world, they're scared of each other. Is that what happens? Is that what happens in church? Like we want something and we agree that we want it, but then we're, we're afraid of what it takes to actually have what we want, which is like authentic, that gut level sharing. Maybe we're just afraid of each other. Um, we all know the frustration of living life and dealing with, uh-oh, pizza, right? This makes it easier to want, you know what, I'm just going to go at it alone. But something I think inside of us shudders when we consider the full implication of doing so. And so while we realize that life in community is hard to live with, I believe it's even harder to live without. Um, author Larry Crabb, I use this quote a lot when I speak to people about community. As our lungs require air, so our souls require what only community provides. We are designed to live in relationship. Without it, we die. It's that simple. At Two Rivers, we want to center our lives together in the grace of Jesus at the foot of the cross. And because the gospel of Jesus and his grace is true, we are inviting you in to the beautiful mess of community with us. Emphasis on the word beauty, on beautiful, and emphasis on the word mess. Because it is. We, we, we long to be a place where you and I, we can say things like this. We, we take that risk of sharing, that gut level sharing. We take that risk and, and we go, oh my gosh, I'm not the only person that struggles with that. Because someone sees you and they go, oh, me too, right? That compassion that togetherness, that belonging. Here's what I am inviting you to consider this morning as we launch into our fall semester. Would you risk to the degree that you will share what is really going on in your life in a smaller grace field, small group context? Would you consider it? I'm, I'm hoping that I can catalyze uh, some risk-taking, some courage today. For you, for me, for us. Um, many of us are guarded when it comes to our lives, and rightfully so. Um, some of us, perhaps most of us, have been burned by authenticity at somewhere along the way. Um, from a friend, maybe someone in our family, from someone in a small group. Like, I hear you, Jason, but like, I, did, I shared that thing one time and took that risk, and that didn't turn out well for me. And I just, I want to validate that for you because truth-telling is risky. It's risky. Inviting others to know who you really are takes courage. I just validate that. There's this question of shame that comes up in our minds around our stories and our lives and our baggage and like answering this question like, hey, how are you? No, 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 no. What I'm asking is how are you really? Like, that's what I'm really 
asking. Um, telling the truth about that is risky because there's this question of shame. Like, well, if you really, if I really answer that question, you're probably, I don't, I'm not sure you're going to like me. Or if I, if I really answer that question or walk that question out with you, uh, you will see some of the struggle in my life that I've had a really hard time overcoming. And to be honest, I'm still, I'm still in it, and I'm afraid you'll judge me and leave me. So it's risky. We have those questions. So it's risky. And, and, but here's what's also true. I validate that it's risky. But you guys, friends, it's risky on the other side too. And here's where it's risky on the other side. It's risky when we're not authentic. It's risky when we are not known. It's risky when we live isolated lives. And I said this a few weeks ago, like isolation is the devil's playground and he will mess you up. And I would say to you, like with like biblical conviction, like isolation from one another as people of God, as people who know Jesus, follow Jesus, isolation and loneliness is not the heart of God for his church. It's not. But I wonder sometimes if the loneliest place for some people is that something just like what we're doing right now. Right? I wonder sometimes, and it grieves me to even think about that, this, if that some of you in this room, I don't know how many, like you come here week after week and you're like, just I'm lonely lonely and uh, maybe you have some friends but no one who really knows all of you or maybe you have some acquaintances but you don't really have friends if you need to call somebody at 11 o'clock at night and you're not sure who that is um, I was reading uh, something this past week around that around like confiding and this was Kind of surprising. It's not my stat. I don't even, I can't even remember where I read it. So I don't, just, I'm just sharing this. So this is for you to consider. But the stat said that one, only one in four people have someone to truly confide in. And I was like, what? And so, and so as a pastor of this church, I'm like, oh, yikes, yikes. And so I'm wanting to encourage us to develop like community here. Because at its very core, Christianity is relational and communal. It's not individual. Again, Lone, Lone Ranger Christianity is a contradiction of terms. I, I believe that knowing and being known is essential to the journey with Jesus. Um, I can't live alone because I'm not made to traverse alone. And I, I, I don't say this just because, like, oh, he's just talking among communities, so he's going to, you know, say that. But I'm like, I, I know, I know that I know that I know that I would not be a pastor, that my marriage would not have survived. I know if I didn't have a community of men that were walking with me in the depths of my soul. I know it. That God used those men in that community to bring healing to my life and bring healing to my marriage, bring healing to my family. I mean, it's like, it's true. It's true in my testimony. Certainly the grace and the favor of God. Certainly but also his people, his people that brought healing to my life. Larry Crabb again. The fact that not many people powerfully connect with others, whether through prayer, embrace, or conversation. The fact is that not many people do that. Connection can be the norm, 
Instead, it's the exception. Most people never even get a taste. I was with some brothers on Friday. We're spending some time planning the men's retreat. It's going to be good, by the way, men. You want to be on this. Trust me. Like, we're going to get in it. We're going to go there. And I just had an opening question. I'm like, hey, what is this? Here's a question. We're going to talk about it. And I was thinking, like, this is going to take, like, 10 minutes. We're just going to do a little quick question. 45 minutes? Gut level. It was gut level sharing. And we were like, do most men get this? And we we're like, I don't think the majority of men get a taste of this. And it was rich. It was rich. I want to share three points about the call of community with you this morning. First is this. The gospel of grace liberates us to enjoy authentic community. Um, 1 John 4 is a verse, and it says, The perfect love of God casts out all of our fear. That's why, we, that's why we commune together at the foot of the cross. Because the perfect love of God casts out the fear that we have of each other and the evaluation that we are nervous about. And so we got to center our lives in the perfect love of God. And the gospel is what liberates us to enjoy community like this. Um, grace removes the need to play hide and seek with each other. But the church can be a good place to play hide and seek, can it? It can be. Um, I'm going to owe Savannah some cash because somehow my kids got it in their heads. Like literally, like I've been doing this for a long time. I've been preaching for a long time. And they somehow they learned like this past, in this past like month, like every time you mention my name in a sermon, you owe me money. <laughs> and it's a fun little thing. It's a pastor kid thing. I'm down with it. I'll give him a buck. It's no big deal. But Savannah, Savannah, when she was little, she loved to play hide and seek. And she was terrible at it <laughs> because she would hide in the same place every single time behind the couch, between the, the couch and the window. There's like a, you know, the vent that gets the heat and the air or whatever. And so there's a little room and she would hide there every time. So I always knew where she was. Savannah, I mean, she's little, right? She's 16 now. We don't play this game anymore. She's, <laughs> but when she was little... And I'll be, Savannah, Savannah. And, but every single time, you guys, before I would get to the couch, she would stand up and go, here I am. <laughs> every time. Because, by the way, Savannah's middle name is Joy. Savannah Joy. Because joy isn't in the hiding. Joy is in being found. Yeah, that'll preach right there. You like that? I like that. And we are serious, we are serious about embracing you where you are so that you can say with some, with some risk, but also some fresh courage, here I am. So I had on a jacket that's just un. I'm nervous, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of being judged, I'm afraid you're going to leave me, but here I am, here I am, here's who I am. We're serious about grace and mercy and compassion and love and forgiveness. And we're serious about people finding freedom, hope and healing in the gospel together. Here's what Paul 
writes to us in Ephesians chapter 4. Writes to the church. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Be renewed in your minds. Know the truth. To put on the new self. To put on the new identity we have in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Created after the likeness of God. Hear this. In true righteousness and holiness. That in Jesus, by receiving Jesus as Lord, the work of the cross on your behalf, that we have been freed into community, into communion with God, and into communion with each other, and that God speaks righteousness and holiness over us. It's, cra- it's wild. It's free. It's freedom. It's freedom. Therefore, therefore what? Why is it therefore? Therefore, because you are righteous and holy at the foot of the cross, not because you've done anything, but because you believed in what Jesus has done for you. That in that place together, in that place together, therefore, we can put away falsehood. We can let each of us, each of us are empowered to speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Here's the biblical call of community. But it's, it, it, it's empowerment from the grace of Jesus. We can be truth tellers and truth livers because of the good news of Jesus. We are free to be authentic because of Jesus' forgiveness and his declaration that we are righteous in Christ. And that's where we get transformed from the inside out. And that's what happens in a small community is that we're walking out that transformation together in an environment of grace where we are reminding each other the truth of the gospel and then we are empowered to tell more truth about our lives and we taste something where there is an aroma of grace. There's the possibility, the opportunity to have authentic communion. But the other is also true, where there is an aroma of rules, traditions, law, there is pressure and there is hiding. And there ain't a whole lot of freedom in that, in that place. So first and foremost, the gospel of grace liberates us to enjoy this kind of community. Secondly, authentic community frees us from isolation, and offers the, gener- the generosity of friendship. Not Sunday to Sunday, but life on life. Not acquaintances, but deep, meaningful friendships. Like, like you know this is true. I know this is true. You have an opportunity to meet some people, to make connection with some people here. Like we have some coffee, that lobby. Man, that lobby is loud, isn't it? We, we're outside on the, on the sidewalk, we're, we're serving, we're greeters, we're serving. We're, we, we can make some, can, we can meet some people here. Would you agree with that? But can, can you develop friendship on a Sunday morning at a gathering? You, ha- you develop friendship outside of these walls, right? Having coffee. I'm in your home, you're in my home. Like we're serving together, we're doing those things together. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, 
but our lives as well. A place where people find delight in Jesus and delight in sharing the journey together. And Paul was personally involved with both. He's personally involved in the mission of the gospel, and he's personally involved in the care and the share and the journey and the walking it out with each other in our lives. Um, Three examples of the impact of uh, being involved, being a consistent person in a smaller community in the local church over the years. I remember a baptism testimony, um, young adults made this statement, uh, I have never felt like I belonged in a church until I got in our life group. Like I grew up in church, I've been a believer for many years, I've come and gone, I'm, you know, I'm a church person, but like it wasn't until I got in a small, that's what I was like, oh, that's what it's like, like belonging there. A uh, wedding, young couple, um, and they were on their own for their wedding. And um, their life group rallied, right? And they're on their own. Budgets, slim budget. The, their life group rallied. And I'm like watching this thing happen, performing this wedding. I'm at the reception. I'm just seeing like all this was provided because of their life group. Like they stepped in so often. Birth couple overwhelmed by their life group caring for them quote said we've never experienced this and we've grown up in the church like the hands and the feet of Jesus like showing up at your house with like a warm meal right like just and it went on and on and on and I'm like they're like when are they going to stop bringing us food I'm like hey milk it for as long as you can (laughs) you know what I'm saying but just overwhelmed by that tangible care right at the passing of a loved one, quote, I don't know how I'd be surviving without the tangible, the tangible care of the body of Christ and this church and specifically our life group. See, biblical community of Jesus followers, they show up, they care, they rally to their own in need. They rejoice with each other and they mourn with each other. And again, I don't know, I don't know where I would be without the tangible care of relationships and community that Lindsay and I and our family have in our lives. It's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's about our lives together as well. Uh, Thirdly and lastly, here's what you have to own. Here's what you have to own, friends. It's going to be your friend. I'm going to tell you the truth in an honest way. Community is not a commodity. I can't just give you friends. I'm not, I don't have that kind of power. Um, What we can do as a leadership here is we can work really hard, and we are, at cultivating a culture uh, of of welcome, of of opportunity to belong, to be in groups, to serve. But ultimately, if you're going to make friends here, you got to bring yourself to the table. Is that fair to say? Um, The church doesn't provide provide it for you just to consume it it's available it's available when the courageous and the humble take the risk of being known and why would we take a risk 
because we're not, we're not made to walk alone. And we're made for relationship. And because without it, we die. It's that simple. And so I think to live this way, to, to center our lives in Jesus, to taste this together, is going to require some intentionality on your, probably some fresh intentionality on your part. I would even use the word devotion on your part. Like, if you want this, like, I would say it's like, if you want this, if you want some, come get some. Like, we're going to provide it, but you got to come to the table. you got to come to the table. Um, Acts 2.42, love this verse around community. First century church, uh, they lived generous lives, community was a given, scriptures were the guide, and everyone's needs were met. And they, there's the word, they devoted themselves. The church, the first century church, the, the beginning of the new covenant church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. That word devoted uh, can also be translated, they persisted. It can also be translated, they persevered. Right? Like, why do you, why do you think that matters? Because people. Like, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to miss each other. We're going to miscommunicate. We're going to misunderstand each other. We're going to have issues to work through. Like, any family has issues. Let's call a spade a spade. Can we do that honestly? Like, we're going to have to figure out how to work through our conflict together so that we don't just pull the ripcord when it gets harder, uncomfortable. And we learn, we humble ourselves to learn how to do conflict in an honorable way, in a respectful way, in a loving way, in a compassionate way, in a merciful way, in a loving way. And we stay devoted, persistent, persevere. I hope we would. To the teaching of the apostles, to the way of Jesus, to fellowship. That word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. Different than just hanging out. Like, listen, I love to hang out. Like, I love hanging out. I'm hiking, biking, chilling, backyard barbecues. Like, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. I love hanging out. But koinonia includes hanging out, but it is way deeper than just hanging out. There is something special that God has given believers, followers of Jesus, and it's the gift of koinonia, that we're brothers and sisters, and we're following in the way of Jesus together. It's a gift to our lives. Breaking bread uh, certainly means taking communion together. Like, uh, we're not going to give up the habit of some of not meeting together and communing with each other and receiving the body and the blood of Jesus, like proclaiming his death and his resurrection until he comes again. There's something so special about the body of Christ communing together, breaking bread together. But I also, I don't think it's a stretch biblically to say that I think that also means there's something sacred about just sharing meals together. Right? Like there's something special about like eating with each other, getting to know each other, experiencing that life together and prayers, praying together. Um, I can certainly uh, pray for you, um, but it's hard for me to really know how to intercede for you if you're not willing to tell me and share with me what you really need prayer for. Are you all with me right now? 
There's a difference. Like, we pray for you? Yeah, 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 I'll pray for you. Honestly, like, most of the time it's like, hey, I'll pray for you. Or I'm praying for you. We might send somebody, like, you know, the prayer emoji. Which somebody told me that's a high-five emoji. I'm like, no, that's the prayer emoji. Yeah, don't, don't mess with me on that. The high-five emoji is like that or like that. Or this is like the praise hands. This is the worship Jesus hands. Whatever. Anyway, all I'm saying is, like, how often have you said, like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Uh, did you pray? Be honest. Be honest. Like, but there's something, if somebody comes with me humbly, and they're in need, like, Jason, will you pray for this? Oh, I, I will intercede for you. And there's, you got you to gotta bring your needs to people that care about you to intercede for you. We, we get to have this together, family. Relationships happen in the margins of life. Trust is built over time in proximity to each other. We might be able to establish some connections here, but community and friendship happens outside of these walls. And we want to invite you this Sunday, next Sunday, you'll hear about all the life groups that we have available for you. We're inviting you to consider finding a smaller group here and a place to serve here so that you can have more than acquaintances, people to confide in, people to know you in a personal way. I, I spoke last week about um, uh, that moleskin that Lindsay and I, when God was downloading the vision of the church to us in 2007 when we were in seminary, and we took all those post-it notes that were literally all over our wall in our kitchen, and I put them in a moleskin. Um, here's a couple of post-it notes from that moleskin when God was showing us what he was calling us to start. And one of them just says, real and authentic, a community of truth-telling and serving. And the second one says, life on life ministry, weeping and rejoicing together. I mean, it's what we wrote down in 2007. It's what we're inviting you to consider today, all those years later. Um, worship team, you guys can come back up. Um, Anybody, anybody see the movie or read the book Sea Biscuit in the room? It's a good one. It's really good. I'm going to close with a quote from Sea Biscuit. I think it's a way better book than movie, which is typical, right? But it's still a really, really good, good movie as well uh, to invite you to consider the invitation of authentic community, small group ministry here. I hope this will be true for so many of us. For the first time in a long time, someone cared and you knew that you were not alone. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the gospel of grace. And thank you that you have called us to believe the gospel and be a part of the gospel mission together. So I just pray, Lord, an anointing of togetherness, that koinonia fellowship, that alignment as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, the truth that it's your grace that frees us to take courage to risk what's really true and where we really are and what's really happening in our lives. I pray that um, 
we would find courage, Lord, to let go of that pressure that many of us feel to impress each other. And Lord, I pray you'd bring healing to that fear that many of us have about hiding. That the gospel would call us forth to taste a community that we long for. And I just pray a spirit of humility and courage um, that we could step into this fall. Lord, I pray for courage for people in this room to risk, risk it again if they've been hurt in the past. And for anyone in the room that may have never set their foot into a small group community, Lord, that you would give them courage to try it. Lord, I know we're not perfect. I know we're going to make mistakes, Lord. So I just pray a spirit of compassion and mercy and forgiveness and grace toward one another um, as we walk this, this gift, this gift of koinonia. Lord, we want to stay persistent. We want to persevere and be devoted to your word, to the fellowship that we have with each other, to breaking bread. And to praying, like really praying, really knowing that we can really pray for one another. And that you really would stir up deep, meaningful friendships for us in this body. In Jesus' name, amen.